straight For away. Sure. Done. Are we on record? Are we recording? We're, we're formally on record. Last time I learned with you, Ben, that there's no point in like not pressing record straight away because we never know what we might miss as a like little nugget or a big nugget, so to speak. Uh, so episode 21, Design Company Podcast, uh, welcoming both Mo and Ben uh, to the episode. And I myself am today in Canberra Sands, my office space. I'm literally hiding in these little bushes to have a better audio quality and not get that uh, wind noise. Wow. Um, but with, without, without further ado, Ben, why don't you tell us who you are in context of business and specifically any sort of company building things that you've done in the past? Yes, yeah, so I, I've been very, very blessed in my life to have been and built several companies which have in their time been very iconic. Uh, uh, one's been in education and training. This is uh, in tech training. Uh, another one's been in hospitality. Uh, there's, a, there's one that was in um, technology, cybersecurity, and just tons more which I can never remember because they've kind of like been sold and we've moved on to the next uh, next whatever it is uh, that uh, takes our fancy. So so yes, just just uh, worked across uh, the board in in different areas. Does that is, is that is that good enough? I, I understand you want to read my mind. Uh, absolutely, always. And in, in some sense, what design company software and the model is about is, is getting more into the minds of all the people inside the company. And here, I assure you, we're in a good company with my brother Mo and yourself. With, with design company software, we actually ask people across these seven areas that are on Mo's screen, which is purpose, people, systems, innovation, products, money, and growth. And that actually serves us as a bit of a structure uh, for these particular podcast conversations to ask you at least one question in each area. Ooh. Oh, I love this. Sounds like a game. So, 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 so the way, exactly. So the way we're looking to mine your mind is by actually asking you a little bit of a social synergistic questions around those seven areas and see what we can get get at and get to uh so so the first question for me i'll we'll go round more let's do it like this rounds uh two questions in each area off the cuff sounds good i already yeah. know i already know that, mine. that's, that, that's, the, that that's the rules i just made them up let's go and we points. don't have to stick to them yeah you get you get points for for juicier the answer the better okay so the first question is around purpose what has been your purpose in building and exiting different companies, Ben? Ha, huh, very good question. Love it. So actually, I, gen I never had a purpose to build companies. Uh, in fact, I, I would have just been very happy making money going up the corporate ladder. Uh, I don't have a problem with jobs. Uh, it was just that I had a new director at Kodak, who was not a very nice person. 
And Ooh, he, Kodak is actually boosted by 1,900% today because they got into making all these chemicals for COVID-19. Have you guys seen that? Should have kept my shares from way yes. back. Yes, <laughs> yes. You, you could have been rich now again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sorry about the interjection there, but that just triggered me there. <laughs> That's, that's amazing. Anyway, my director changed to someone who wanted to cut up all the other directors at the expense, you know, of the, you know, of the business. He didn't care. And this was in the late eighties when we, we hit another major recession. It was just, it was just very horrible. And because I wouldn't play his games, his games included Ben, I don't want you to speak to the salespeople when they're on the third floor. Now, we're, we're in marketing at the time, and the salespeople need to know what, we're, what innovations we're working on, and I need to know the feedback from the customers in order to create more innovation. So I would go down to the second floor or say, hey, guys, I understand you want to talk to me here. Let's go down to the second floor. So there's me ducking and diving to, to, to avoid this guy's... Um, crazy rules and he realized this and 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 so i needed to go uh, i said to him well you know if i go because because i had to speak to the hr director uh that my entire team will leave so they paid me off to leave quietly they said would you go if if, if... i said yeah yeah if, if we gave you this money would you go i said yeah that's no problem I'd, I'd love to do that who wants to work for a crazy director right so i i then took a paper round to think what I'd like to do next. And I applied for a job in, uh, to sort out somebody's accountancy software. I didn't understand the operating system. The guy said, oh, you, you know, we, we'll have you for three months. And at the end of three months, he offered me a job. I said, no, I think your business is going to go down within two years and having worked here, but I'll employ somebody else for you. And from there, I, I went into software training and education uh, and then uh, contracting for tech. And that's where I started building, uh, properly building businesses. I had a few goes earlier prior to that. My first job was in admin and support, but I learned tech there. And I had some customers at the time who, who I was doing private work for but I didn't understand sales. I didn't understand marketing. So I didn't lose money, but I didn't, I didn't know how to, to make it bigger at the time. Uh, so over time, I learned the sales and, and in the Kodak company, I learned all about marketing. Uh, and, and that's when, if you like, my contracting and then business started uh, kind of taking effect. So I haven't answered, like, why did I do it? It was because it just happened. It wasn't like I woke up one morning uh, and had a burning desire to run businesses. I, I didn't have a good self-image. So, so it was like, yeah, I'm safe in a job. It's, uh, it's quite synergistic than the uh, topics you just brought up, because actually my next question was going to be about around this area. So um, I believe one of the areas you're quite well known for is this idea of social magnetism, right? You know, being able to build healthy relationships with others. Um, but that also starts with healthy relationship with self. So my question to you is both purpose and people related in the context of sales and marketing. 
how can we purposefully approach uh, relationship building with individuals uh, in the context of business development partnerships etc um yes yeah sales and marketing so uh, remember i started out as a lowly admin person in this company and what they found after a while was that a lot of the support calls would come to purchasing in admin they didn't want to speak to the tech guys because the tech guys would say oh that's on a need to know basis to the customers uh, and i would just give them full information and say well actually you just need one of these and they would say oh i, I heard it was 150 pounds or 3000 pounds i said no you just need to do it like this and so after time I, I started getting all these calls my sales manager at the time thought i'd be really good in sales so he started training and mentoring me in that area and over time i became very very good at it now initially i was terrible i have to say because again i didn't have a good self-image um, and as part of the training i would book appointments for the other salespeople, and they found that i i get kind of like a hundred percent hit rate so how come ben could do that so maybe he could do it for himself and in the initial sales that I was doing, I would lose all these big orders. I learned strategy so that even though I lost the big orders, I'd keep in touch with the, 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 the people, who the customers, and they would find that, these, that they'd been oversold by people who actually didn't know systems. I, I did, my degree is in computer science, and I learned, all the tech stuff that was in the company so i was literally giving amazing value the, the i just didn't know how to sell and in fact my my manager because my, my the director wanted to fire me <laughs> my manager would give me these big deals and he would close it while i learned how to develop my myself uh, he he doesn't remember it because because I spoke to him a, a uh, probably a year ago. Got in touch with him. He doesn't remember. He said, "No, Ben, you were great." And the reason was you were constantly giving value to people, even if it meant you were losing the deal. Now, more than that, I would try and solidify this connection with people. Uh, I learned that if the director saw nice letters about me and people writing, customers writing nice things about me that he was happy. So at the time I was just trying to keep my job. So every time somebody said something nice to me, whether I was in the transition period of, of purchasing an admin and, and sales or fully in sales, I would say, ah, that's really cool. My director doesn't really like me at the moment. Would you mind just writing a letter about how you think I helped you? So I have this really thick folder <laughs> of customers I've had over time. And it would, was purely that. I, I, I have a lot of sales skills today, but at the time I didn't. So the only thing I could do was think, just give them tons and tons of value beyond actually the business. One customer, I was playing chess, like a mover a day. Uh, another customer, his kids suffer from eczema. I suffer from eczema. I would be sharing information that I learned to get better because the doctors were just terrible at, at helping. Uh, so so it, it was a lot more than just salesy kind of communication there was also uh, another aspect of the business because we had old tech and 
this is even before I was in the sales department. The, the, the old tech was just taking up storage space. And some of my suppliers would actually also ask me if I'd heard of XYZ stock. Now I knew we had a lot and, and uh, my director once asked if I would be able to sell it. He said, you know, he's just trying to help me out because I was very poor. I was literally, uh, as uh, Jason knows, I, I was eating porridge and, and, and uh, cornflakes for dinner and breakfast. And so, so he, I don't know how, but I sold everything that was secondhand in, in the store uh, through, again, just great connections with, the, with some of the suppliers. So who would, who would have guessed that the suppliers would also end up being customers? Yeah, hmm. so that's the sales side, Mo. In terms of marketing, uh, I, I, sales and marketing often cross over with each other. I, I know there's very different marketing aspects. So, so when I was at, uh, headhunted to be at Kodak, I, I was in the marketing department. Now, I, I didn't really know anything about marketing, so I went and did some long-distance learning and used what I was doing with the, in that department as part of my thesis, if you like. Uh, so I learned marketing while I was there, and I learned you know, all about strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, and under, began to understand how the competitors were doing that, uh, selling their products. So at the time, it was uh, there was a product called Document Image Processing, and that's essentially getting, you know, uh, a paper document. Well, hold on, paper document, and putting that paper document. I should lose my background really to make the paper show, um, to to digitize it, and so that's where I became a specialist and was in charge of the team to create those products. Now, we had products that competitors who were doing much better than us. So, so again, I needed to get in the field. I needed to communicate with our salespeople and work out where they had a competitive advantage or why they liked using Kodak, even though our product may not have been as good as, as their products. Once you, once you understand that, and this is where I, I really started learning about benefits and features, and just going after the customers. These are corporate customers, yeah? These are not like little um, startups. They're not uh, people who've just decided to be an entrepreneur. These are big corporations. And working out where their pain was, and simply working on, okay, I can, give you the benefits and then I can teach the sales guys the benefits, but also where I'm saving their money, where I'm making their money as a result of our products and why our product was making and saving more money for our customers than uh, our competitors, even if our competitors had more features than we did. Because at the end of the day, and this is, this is really weird and, uh, aspect. I had a friend who I had become a director with us at the education training company. This is moved fast forwarding another uh, decade. And we were doing this big contract for Rolls Royce. It was hard because none of us had any sleep for two or three days. And one, one of those days, he just burst out, just threw a fit and got very angry. The managing director at the time uh, just calmed him down and you know said what what's the problem and he said i don't understand 
and no disrespect to Ben, but I am cleverer than Ben. And, and he was, he, ha he had a scholarship to Cambridge and, and uh, Oxford. He was, he was just a really super guy. And I said to him, I know, that's why I want you on our team, because you're just really innovative and great at creating products. He said, but I don't understand. Why is it that it's my product and yet everyone's buying it from Ben and not me? I can't sell it, but Ben can. Yeah, and it was purely in the marketing and trans moving over into the sales. I was only ever interested in what the customers wanted. They didn't care that his product was incomplete. They just wanted one part of the product that would help them do something and everything else they just never cared about. And I, I just said, well, it's really simple. All I'm doing is working with what the customers want, not what you think they want. Does yeah. that, I, I don't know whether I've spoken too much because the no. marketing is a lot more than, you know, strengths, weeks, opportunities, and yeah. threats. No, it's doing with cash cows and, and the, this whole um, cycle of products. <laughs> it's, uh, it, you know, you, you, you're, you're obviously showing that you're thinking quite holistically because you if you look at the model right you've already gone from people through growth and products and so you touched a, a, a bunch of those areas so my question is really what is the kind of core thing that gets people to buy from businesses in your experience that's very very practical and perhaps it's that thing that you just mentioned around you know, they just care about that one thing and, and sort of amplify that to them. But, you know, see if there's, you know, a different answer to that explicit question. Number one, if they, to, to really buy from you, is they have to like you. They really have to like you. Sales in the 80s was different to sales in the 90s, which is very different to 2000s and which is very different today. So today, if you, if you just go and tell somebody they need to buy something and here's the benefit and, and it, without this benefit, they're, they're, they're messed up, nobody's going to buy. Yeah, people have the internet. They'll do like a lot of kind of, um, you know, due diligence on the products, they'll compare them, they'll look at prices, a whole bunch of stuff, and they'll go to comparison sites, which was never around in the 80s and 90s, or even the early 2000s. So they'll go to these sites and, and, and they'll see. So they have to like you, and it's a much slower sales cycle. Now, remember right at the beginning in, in the 80s where I, I'm in sales and I, I was rubbish at it, it wasn't just because I didn't know about closing, it's because I had no social skills. I didn't know how to connect with people. Uh, and so it was purely, I had to develop the relationships over the time so that people would trust me and learn that actually what Ben's saying is correct. And, and he, he, he doesn't make anything out of giving me this great advice. He doesn't make anything just by helping me. And of course, there are a lot of people who just kind of sucked me dry out of information and would go somewhere else, even if they did like me. That might have been because the, the person they, they were buying from was their brother or sister or uncle. You, everything can be perfect, but you'll still lose the deal because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And that, that connection, I think, is very important today. So in... I think it was in the 2000s, I used to teach people about seven or eight touches on average. If, if, if you don't already have 
connection built. So you have to connect with them seven or eight times. First of all, you meet them at an event, you send them a message, hey, it was great to meet you. You might take a selfie with them if they're into social media, get their permission, write nice things about them in the social media. So this is in my, my TED talk, by the way, on uh, social magnetism. Uh, then you, you'll write to them about so, something that you've spoken about. Either they, they're a, a Comic-Con fan, Every, everyone's a fan of superheroes at the moment, yeah? So you could send pictures. So these are your seven touches or nine touches. Now today it's a little bit more, it's more about 13 or 14 now. Uh, when you're dealing with, which generation are we on? Generation X? Um, what? It's one of those letters, X, Y, Z, something there. like that. Yeah, yeah. But, but you can't, as one of them said, it's harder for you guys to bullshit us. So they're just <laughs> so one, and, and so much of them, like even if you tell them something, they'll go to YouTube and learn about it anyway. So yeah, they, I have a 13-year-old son and he's like, uh, you know, like always prodding my, you know, reasoning for why I tell him anything. Yeah, so yeah. And then, and then they learn about it. So they really must like and respect you. And today in sales, you may have the funnels, you may have a whole bunch of other aspects. It, you know, you may have written books, you may sell from stage, but at the end of the day, if they don't like you, then it's not going to work or it might work initially. So at the moment, because of the epidemic epidemic we, we've currently got, people are scared about money and they're, they're buying anything that they think will help them just out of fear. So, so I, every time I see a recession, things like network marketing has a boost. Everyone is then sharing their products. We're, fear buying. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, and they're signing up to be in these network marketing companies. I'm not saying that they're good or bad. I'm just saying that they're, they're, they're signing up because they're, they're, they need money. And the problem is they're losing money because they've not gone through half the things that many of us have gone through, sales, marketing, branding, just learning to connect with people. And they're getting into to business. Does that make sense? What I'm totally, saying. Totally. totally. What I really enjoy, Ben, is I've been having a couple of follow-up questions in mind. And as Jason said, you're quite holistic in your approach. <laughs> so it covers a lot of those follow-ups yeah. as well. Um, so, so if I may, actually, if we're on the topic of kind of people going into systems innovation, you mentioned the epidemic, which I was going to ask about. You know, uh, you talked about, you know, having these multiple touch points, which, yes, I agree, right? It's all about building familiarity and going from stranger to, okay, this is someone that I can trust enough to open up and actually share a bit more about what my current priorities are um you mentioned something there which is you know meeting people organically uh, at an event and you know then kind of taking that connection further following up building familiarity but if we're kind of in between systems and innovation you know how can we t if we're if we you know if we're looking to systematically expand our network of people that we might be working with what's kind of a systematic and innovative way in a time of covid to reach out and build and further uh, new relationships within a context where these organic kind of meetings, first meetings, aren't that possible uh, anymore, or at least are drastically reduced. Now, here is a, a myth, which will help you a little bit here, Mo. And the myth is that you can only network at networking events and meet customers at networking events. 
I have met customers in restaurants. I have met customers in the, my hobbies. So I, I love dancing. I go to dance events and many of them have either signed up with uh, the tech company I used to, to work with or they've invested in currently my property companies. You don't need to be at networks or parties to meet people. Within the epidemic, so for example, when you go to a shop and when you have to stand a meter or two meters away from somebody in front of you, they are a, they're, they're your audience. They are stuck with you until somebody waves them into the building, <laughs> two meters away. It's not creepy. They don't feel you're encroaching on them and you can start up the communication. I have met four people like that. Four people just standing in the line, just say, oh, hey. And it's very simple to start conversations. How is the, how are you being impacted by the epidemic? Oh, blah, 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 blah. Do you think it's a real thing? Or, are, you know, are you a, do you think it's a, a G5 kind of thing? Or are you like, uh, and, and you know, you just create this conversation. You don't care what, about G5 or, 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 or any of those other aspects for this conversation. You're just interested in them and who they are, their perspective. Now, from there, you move on to, so before lockdown, what, what kind of stuff did you do? And they tell you about themselves. And so you, you, you create this connection and communication. Now, obviously, there are things you can do to accelerate it, because actually you somehow need to keep in contact. So somewhere along the way, you, you say, are you in social media? Yes, no. If they're in social media, it'd be lovely to, to continue this conversation on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, if you like talking ticks, uh, you know, what, 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 whatever they're, they're interested in. And that's where you start and then everything else builds up from there. So that, I don't know whether that's innovative enough for you just talking to people. I, I, just, met, I just met a guy swimming in the sea here in Canberra Sands. Uh, first of all, a shout out to him because everyone sort of struggles to get into the sea because it's a bit cold or relatively perceived as cold. And I just shouted at him. I was like, let's go champ. Let's go champ. And then he dipped himself in and I was like, yeah, well done. And, uh, and then asked him, you know, how are you doing and all that stuff. And, and he was like, how's your year? And, the guy said he was a barber for 15 years and he's been looking to move into IT recruitment for, you know, three, four years. And finally, the pandemic has pushed him into that because he lost his barber job. I was like, great. And so, you know, that was potential contact to keep in touch with uh, because we're in IT and all that kind of stuff. So it's, a, it's another example of uh, a situation in real world right now. So, so, so I love what you're saying, Jason. Now, the thing is, you may not necessarily be in, in recruitment and you may not have contacts in recruitment, but I do. And you could say to him, listen, if you want some other people who are already in recruitment and would like some tips from them, I've got a great friend called Ben who knows a number of people who do IT recruitment who are personal friends of him. Would you like to be in, put in contact with him, them? Now, you've created a, a much more solid uh, contact now because yeah sure who wouldn't want that is he likely to give you his d I'm, I'm sure you've worked it out anyway but i'm just for the the our podcast listeners sharing how to build on that even if you cannot help them 
uh, or add value in that meeting. You, you have in your network already, hopefully, uh, people who, can, who, who could help them. Yeah, and I think that's a very, very key point to remember that we can't necessarily directly help people firsthand. Like I don't have necessarily solution for every single thing in the world in practice. I might have it like somewhere here in my head. It might be in my subconscious. Love, so I'm not actually. aware of it yet. Uh, and and so um, and uh, and um, but but somebody does two three steps away on LinkedIn, and a, a guy that I know knows a guy that knows a guy, and and that's always helpful. And and things do come back in some sort of karmic way. Um, I'd, I'd like to share another innovative way that people have been networking. Uh, it, it's, it's absolutely amazing uh, and goes beyond just joining groups in Facebook or LinkedIn because that's another way you can get customers and just start, by the way, start supporting other people's posts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Jason, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but your, your interview with me has... Mm -hmm. has you know, it, I, I noticed when I went to your channel, I, I thought it was just a podcast and it'd be an anchor or something, but I, I went to your YouTube channel and I noticed that we had a lot more views after yep. the first day than any of the other podcasts yes. you posted in, in yep. X amount of time. Now, why is that? Why is that? It's because like yourself, I'm constantly engaging with people on my Facebook. I'm yeah. going to their posts, I'm liking them, I'm writing a comment on them. Even if I don't care about it, they might show me a picture of their cat. Now, I'm allergic to cats. I don't like cats, <laughs> but I will go and say, oh, that was cute. I'm allergic to cats, but I like the picture and it made me laugh. You know, very simple things like that. So what do you think they're doing in return when I post? They're having Return, a look. Returning at the favor, ex yeah. Ex exactly. Yeah. And, I'm and I'm coming up in their posts because when yeah, you're... Because the algorithms are matching. Correct. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So by people not even saying happy birthday to, to people in their social media, they're losing out on connecting with people. Yeah. yeah whether that's LinkedIn or Facebook. Now, in Facebook, I tend to know every, every one of those people who are, who are my friends on Facebook. So I'm making relevant comments to their lives. I know that they, they ride horses or, or they've got cats or dogs, or I know that they've just got married or, or had a baby or somebody's passed away. I know their perspectives on coronavirus, you know, all that stuff from what they're posting. And I will make relevant posts to them or I'll, I'll make private posts to them if I feel that I disagree with something. I don't, this is something else in social media. I don't understand. Why do people try and embarrass other people in social media? Yeah, mm. you're losing customers and you're losing connection. Mm. All yeah. right, back to this really innovative way to, to meet people. So there's a guy I met in LinkedIn, his name's Dove, right? And he, he would connect with iconic people in LinkedIn and he would then, invite them to a Zoom meetup. And he'd specifically match people who he think would be interesting with each other. He said, this is not for selling. I will not be sharing any of my stuff unless you want me to. And he would literally ask everybody there to introduce themselves and share about their business. From that, I've met quite a few connections. Is that interesting? 
who are now my friends today. I met someone who has just joined the Gary V uh, team. And I mentioned my TED talk and she said, oh, I, I might put this in front of Gary V because that would get a whole bunch of views. But that, that, that is a relationship that has developed. It just didn't, it started with that Zoom connection that Dove did. And any of us can do that. Any of us can connect to people. We have friends on LinkedIn and we can say, hey, I just want to invite a bunch of you who I think would enjoy this conversation. And if you get anything out of it, great. That's brilliant. Some of the people didn't connect with everyone, but they suggested people that they would like to meet. And all of us with our connections have been able to send people their way. For example, I'm not interested in Bitcoin. You know, I just, just think the whole thing is a bit crazy having come from a security perspective. But I can connect people who love Bitcoin together. Very, very simple things that we can do. Uh, people might 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 have a religious perspective. I, I may not be interested in that religion, but I can connect those people who love that uh, or and, and worship in that way together. Yeah. It doesn't hurt me. So it's yeah. a great, great. Here's one that doesn't involve business. So I, I'm, I'm a, a member through a friend of a comedy group. They've put it all in Zoom, right? So I've met more people in their Zoom comedy shows. Uh, a few more people asked to be my friend today. Isn't that wonderful? Now, I don't know their background. I don't know anything mm. about them, but I know that a lot of people who do comedy also have a, uh, another business somewhere and they're just kind of learning about it. Isn't that fantastic? And now I can build my, my, my if, I, if I still need customers and business i can build it like that create all the, the 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 value to them whether it results in business or not and maybe one does maybe it doesn't but the the point is looking at giving them value helping them build their own economy and if that helps you great and if it doesn't help you also great reminds me when i was uh, getting into music production in my early 20s in a sort of more professional way we printed off these demo cds and then we're going out to these open mic nights and and i made a a, a habit of handing out three demo cds per night at least to people that sort of caught my attention and the way i would do that is i would hand a cd and i would make a specific remark to them and say like Co uh, commend them or compliment them on something that I particularly noticed in their performance. I said, oh, that was amazing how you delivered those raps in, in Cantonese language. There was a, a girl called Mylene Class, who's like a concert pianist, but she did some rapping. And what happened is like a sort of semi-famous piece where she then came on next day on TV and somebody asked her, I heard you've been offered a production deal after your performance. I was like, that was me. That was me saying, come into our studio. Let's produce a rap record for you. But we ended up um, actually connecting up with a, with a guy who came into our studio and ended up signing up a record label deal with Bad Boy Records uh, as one of the subsidiaries there. And, and it was like literally through that kind of complimenting people and handing out uh, uh, demo CDs and inviting them to the studio as a call to action. I had no idea what I was doing back then, uh, but it was like, if I introspect, that was like perfect approach that as is, a sort of like intuitive. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, can, and, and people can still do that online, you know, uh, mm. give away their, their free ebooks or, or whatever it is that, that people have. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so, it costs nothing to compliment people, especially like specifically to say, mm -hmm. hey, I noticed that thing that you said in your post, because a lot of posts are like quite sort of litanies of, of, yeah. of text and you can pull, pull out one specific phrase and literally use that and say that I really appreciate that. And here is something that you might enjoy for free. Uh, so in terms of products, then how what, what should we know about products, Ben, that we don't? <laughs> what should we know about products that we don't i don't know what you know about products that you don't. tell us what's the most important thing to know about products in business that they work that they're not okay. going to mess up people's lives what, what does it mean that for they the product to work to is it as you mean functionally or or psychologically What's the most important thing about a product? Uh, that it's going to help somebody. Uh, that, that's it. And you just got to find the people that, that it's going to help. Either through, you know, here's the way your marketing is helpful, through, through feedback, by giving your demo CD away to people to give you feedback on your music, uh, or, or maybe your free ebook will give people an aspect of, of perhaps an online product and just say look i'd love it if you can give me some feedback on on this i think there's an issue with free ebooks by the way because because i get given a load of these and i just don't have time to read them just like mm, mm. i want to i really want to help people there but i, I just can't uh, do that with a, a, a free ebook so i I'm, I'm not sure it's such a great giveaway unless you're trying to help people make money or, or solve a, something in their life so i wouldn't give these things just to anybody just just find choose the right people to give them to um mm. yeah for me our product's got to solve i think it's pretty obvious everyone knows this a product a product's got to solve a, a a problem that people really care about and is costing them their health uh, their connections their relationships or or, or their finances there's something uh, intrinsic in the design company model that people sit directly above products and there's a kind of direct correlation that you know between people and products connection uh that, that it's sort of like the so almost like equal and opposite um so so that's just kind of side note mo you were next mo, mo, mo i didn't understand anything that jason just said could you could you help explain it to me <laughs> Well, yes. I, th I think it was more the the, the visual kind of uh, yin yang with various air design yeah. company. You know, being that products are great, but they don't exist outside of people, and that, as you said, Ben, ultimately it's all about solving a problem experience. It's one one someone. way to use the design company model is to ask, for example, a question: How does our system help us generate more money, or which people are using which products, and how, or? How does innovation that we're creating drive growth? You know, so the opposites are uh, somewhat complementary to each other. Or how are people doing the innovation? Or how are systems implement, imp impacting on product performance or you know, value, whatever, all that kind of stuff? So very, very kind of marketing style questions to develop. It, 
the, the model serves as a sort of way to prod the thinking, but mm. also just kind of as a more playful way to actually explore the business uh, world and realm of any given business. Mm. Um, yeah. I would call it a, 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 um, a simple but effective, like, I don't want to say simple in the sense of simple in a reductive way, but really as in distilling complexity down to first principles and providing a simple way to introspect that's kind of accessible to everyone without you needing to have a management degree, if that makes mm. sense. Right, dude. You know? uh, I'm, sure in your I'm sure in your time, Ben, you've seen a lot of people that are like, you know, I mean, we love consultants, you know, we, we, we love everyone. <laughs> but obviously, you know, the people that are coming into a company and just like having a bunch of buzzwords in management speak, that doesn't really speak fundamentally to a person's reality. And that kind of prevents them from taking part in the change. And so that's really what we're aiming for. It's really like, you know, being able to bring people together and say, okay, you know, how can we just like get things down to brass tacks or first principles and then move and forward. It's very interesting you say that, Mo, because when you were talking, it triggered the, going back to the, the, the director change I had at Kodak, to this director who would go to board meetings and he would just confuse everybody with uh, three-letter abbreviations. The RSA connected to the X25 is not really working in the MMR to work with the SAT for the... And I, I would then explain what he said, which sounded like total nonsense. Probably why he wanted me out, by the way. Uh, but he was literally... Like, like some of these consultancies, uh, consultants confusing the other directors. It was interesting to me that the other directors never said, we don't understand what you're saying. And I don't know whether you find that with, uh, with consultants, whether people say to them, actually, I don't understand what you're saying or how that's helping my business. So actually, that's a really great comment that you made, Ben, and it's kind of a point I want to riff on, right? I think a lot of people today are ultimately kind of trying to create an image. And so personally, I go for the opposite, which is anti-fragility. So, you know, if I don't know something, I'm more than happy to just humbly say, okay, can you tell me more? Can, you know, can I learn? Because otherwise what happens, if you're trying to build this image of perfection, that you know everything, that it's all good, ultimately you lose out and stuff, ultimately you get left behind and you know, ultimately, you're just not growing as fast as you could. Yeah, a bit like me saying to Jason earlier, I, I, well, actually, I have no clue what you mean by people sitting on the products. It just sounds like I'm sitting on a chair or something and, and you then explaining it. So, so I guess, yeah. It, it, but why, why is it people don't challenge them and say, say to them, I, you know, we're paying you a lot of money and I have no clue what you're saying? I think that I can, I can take that on quite nicely. Uh, somebody once said to me, this is an um, environmentalist, and I'm standing here in lovely Cumber Sands bushes, which is a beautiful environment. But this environmentalist guy moved into becoming a mortgage advisor. And I said, um, Gareth, why are you moving into a mortgage advisory? And he said to me, money's in the jargon, Jason. Money's in the jargon. More jargon you construct, the more money you make. But actually, what we're doing is we're de-jargoning entire science of management to make it accessible to someone like my son, 13-year-old Ernie, who will probably be the next one for us to interview because I'm setting up a, a company with him. 
And he understands this model where I say to him, hey, every business has a purpose. It serves certain people. It has a team inside. It runs to certain processor system. Has to have something innovative. Creates a product that sells for money, which should be a little bit more than what it takes to make the product. Mm. And eventually people, uh, you know, by selling more, you grow the business and, and serve back to serving more people and so on. And you make it a circle go round and round. And my son goes, great, I understand that. Like, in a quick sentence, as opposed to having to have some sort of mini executive MBA to even start having a conversation. So I understand what you're saying, and it's not my interview because I know you're interviewing me, but I didn't understand. It is your interview. Your, uh, I didn't understand how your answer um, was uh, answered. You know, why don't people say they don't understand what the management consultant has said to them? So I, I get that there's oh. money in the jargon, but why don't people say, oh, oh, right. I don't yeah. so, your so jargon? There is a, there, there's a fear of authority. So, so this sounds like an authority because they understand the language. They wrote the language. The authority is the author of the language. So they come in, they sound smart, and the other people because the fear of looking stupid or fear of some sort of authority, they don't really speak back. And that's, in my experience, brought a lot of mega corporations into this huge change fatigue where they're literally given up on majority of consultancies because every single consultancy brings in their own specific jargon, which talks about these seven areas in a very, very contrived language, and then six figure, seven figure, and eight figure up the entire company, and then another consultancy comes in and rejargons everything to another jargon, whereas people understand these words here very simply without needing a sort of dictionary to carry around. I'll give you another. Did I answer that at all? Yes, you're, you're saying that they, they, there's. They're scared of looking stupid, I think, is, is, is what you're, you're, you're saying uh, in, in front of somebody who's an authority. I, I, you know, being an educator myself, yeah. I, I used to remove all the jargon and break things down so that very complicated internal tech like memory management and how that works within a, a computer system, you could simplify the explanation into... Uh, very, very like, how do you make a curry? And it's, this is how, how this works. Uh, what, what, I, what I don't understand is people would rather throw tons of money at, at people who they don't understand to give them solutions that they don't understand and doesn't help them because they, they never understood the solution in the first place. The consultant goes up and says to them, look, the reason why it hasn't worked is because you haven't implemented it properly. But how could they implement it properly if they didn't understand it in the first place? Yeah. Well, I, think, I, I think there. So, so there's often a, a joke when I'm talking to people about Anya, uh, which is, you know, a, and, you know, I love, again, I love consultants, you're human beings, but unfortunately you are guilty of this, which is that, you know, a consultant is often a person that looks at your watch and sends you an invoice to tell you the time. Uh, you know, whereas generally speaking, the people in the company that know what's going well and what's not going so well are, you know, the people that work in that company 24 yes. seven and that are confronted with that reality on the ground. 
So for us, it's ultimately about that. It's about, you know, having that kind of a structured and systematic way to get this feedback up from the ground floor, have people look at that and not just have like a consultant that's only sharing info with like the executive level completely removed from daily realities, but bring it back to like first principles. Okay, what are these seven areas? What are the considerations? What are the themes within the seven areas? But just give like a simplified way to approach complexity. So it's not about, it's not about saying the world is simple. Uh, what it is about saying is, how can we make complexity manageable, approachable, engageable, and then give people a way to express themselves within that framework? And then from that, um, you know, build up from there, essentially. Mo, I feel I should give you a stage and a microphone. Well, th thank you, Ben. <laughs> I have to say, when I, uh, w when I watched uh, a couple of your talks online, I kind of quite self-identified with uh, a number of things you were saying and the approach you were taking. So I feel like we have uh, quite, qu quite similar blooming personalities in that sense. I, I did feel the same, actually. Um, so I'm just getting to know you now. But after my chat with Jason, I did feel I, I've met a kindred spirit. Like, yeah, like, thank you so much. This is Molly, like, it's your, next, your question next on, on money. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm, no. I, I, I'm a free spirit, so I don't know if I'm going to go for money straight away or maybe money and growth. Um, I'll just ask a freestyle question then in this final money and growth area. So, uh, Ben, you know what? You should grow money. Yes, growth. I agree. Grow money, <laughs> grow money. Yes, okay, that's it. Interview that's money growing trees. That's what that's money growing trees, <laughs> yes, they do, especially in, in forestry. Invest in forestry, invest in, in, in growing a tree. So talk, I actually do have like a life plan in that sense about growth. So kind of my, my life plan is like make like totally unreasonable amounts of money in the tech sector, which is nice and scalable and buy a um, completely kind of autonomous home uh, in a mountain community in the south of France. Number one, so I can just like enjoy some holidays, like, you know, and be like, oh, let me go and enjoy, enjoy like holiday with the goats and also do like some international business on the Wi-Fi. Secondly, like, you know, insurance any, against any future international human crisis. And thirdly, just because nature is nice, you know? And so I guess if talking about growth, I mean, for me personally, um, I, I talk about money is kind of the second thing. For me, growth, the first thing is really just about growth and enjoyment of life and the people I get to hang around with. So, you know, I mean, Ben, what's your kind of definition of personal growth in that sense? A personal growth? Yeah. A friend of mine, he'd, he'd uh, hurt his arm and, and uh, he scratched a wound and, and that he had a growth there. <laughs> Mo, that was, a, that, that was a joke, by the way. So. Yes, that, yes. That was, I, <laughs> do, you mean, do you mean mindset? It could be anything. Because, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, personal growth is to do... Uh, with your, with the, all the things you've actually mentioned, so remove the systems aspect. Uh, it, it's to do with your growth in terms of relating and connecting with people. It's to do with your intellectual and spiritual growth. We we mentioned um, spirituality a little earlier. It's to do with your financial growth only because in this current world that we live in, finance helps you pay for things. Uh, it's to do with your uh, health. So, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of uh, sheets on this. So anyway, that's what growth is to me. Um, uh, making sure my health is good, my, my finances, uh, I've got enough to 
deal with a crisis like you said with your your mountain top kind of uh, dream life uh, so so having reserves uh, and having that freedom to to just go around the world have friends and if you want to do business do do business business is should only ever be about helping other people and people thinking oh i'd like to pay mo for helping me hmm. in the old days we used to barter but that doesn't seem to work so so well these days hmm I like what you said about the bartering there, because I think definitely there is a, a certain art of the deal, right? And so one of the things that I learned a couple of years ago, which someone told me, which I'm quite grateful for, is that, you know, there's always the money side of a deal, but you should actually always talk about the money side last. And what you should first understand is what, so let's say even I'm hiring someone, and let's say I'm partnering with someone. What I always aim to do is first to understand what are their non-financial goals? What are they looking to achieve in life? You know, how can I, through bringing them onto this project, not just pay them well, which is a given, but how can I help them through the work they're going to be doing with me and Anya achieve personal goals and really enjoy themselves? So if it's, for example, like a very senior technical person, it's not just about saying, dude, I'm going to make you the richest CTO in the world. It's about saying, hey, let's build a really awesome technology platform with incredible best practices where we really like have an alignment between tech and business. There's none of this bullshit and we're like creating our approaches as we're going. And so really like looking at kind of what people really want um, and then obviously figuring out the financials. I mean, just also a side anecdote, I get so frustrated by people who are like, oh, because you're having such a good quality of work and you're like having an impact on the world, this is an excuse to pay you minimum wage. So <laughs> my philosophy is always make the money side so high it's not even a question. And then just really bring it back to fundamentals and what is going to make it that even when the person isn't even thinking about money anymore, that they're going to stay here and we're going to grow together. Uh, pre preaching moment over. I'm just showing my... I, I want to come and work for you now. <laughs> well, <laughs> with me, not for me. It's, uh, well, actually, that's really interesting that you say that, Mo. I'm often saying that. People say, oh, I'm doing this uh, working for you. And I'm always saying with... Um, yeah. So, no, but there's a really good, I mean, I hate to be the Steve Jobs quota guy. So, you know, but this one is quite relevant. There's a quote of his I really love, which is we hire smart people not to tell them what to do, but so they tell us what to do. Mm. And so I'm actually often quite proactive with the people that I'm working with, uh, even though I like founded a company to say, okay, you know, what, what should we do? Okay, tell me, blah, blah, blah. you know, like really make it that we're talking as peers and that my role of director of the company is like, yes, on the corporate stuff. But ultimately, I see myself as more of like a facilitator to bring out the best in people and empower them as much as possible. You sound a bit like Edison, who surrounded himself with incredibly smart people. You remember he had only had about three or four months of education. And he just surrounded himself with very intelligent people who would invent things. And where he was good at was taking it to the market. But they were just very intelligent and they knew stuff that he didn't know about. And they could create things for... I, you know, I think he's got credited with the second or third most number of uh, patents in the world. Mm. I think a Japanese person overtook him uh, in terms of patents. So you sound exactly like that. I, I just want smart people and they, they can create and innovate for me. And I'll, I'll, I'll help take it to the market to find people who love what you've built. Well, actually, I'm kind of on the other side because I'm more like, I love creating. So I do have to improve yeah. my skills on the growth and marketing side. Mm. Hence my earlier questions to you. But for me, really what I enjoy, Ben, is about 
getting together with people with like different skill sets and ideas, like we'll share the same core values in terms of like honesty, transparency, uh, radicality, uh, all this stuff, but having people with really different life experiences and skills and then going through the creative process, whether it's like building technology, whether it's figuring out the sales process, whether it's figuring out new systems, but that's what I really enjoy is pluridisciplinarity and kind of bringing together this mm. wealth of different people. And really that's what wealth is now. It's not, you know, I'm looking at my business plan for the next year. Basically 95% of the money we'll invest is people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I think you're right. Uh, generation 597 or XYZ, whatever the generation is, they are more interested in how many people they can impact positively impact rather than the actual money and the money kind of follows. It's the same with your, the, your growth question. If you, if you have sorted out your spiritual, your health, your mental, your intellectual, all the, those aspects of yourself, the money actually just follows. You've got all the connections. They just, they just love Mo. When I see Mo, I, I mean, I get this sometimes uh, with people coming up to me and, and they've, they've said to me, I just, just love what you do. Can you sell me something I want to buy from you? And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I don't have anything to sell to you. It's very kind of you to say, say this to me. <laughs> but I don't, you know, it, it's like, I don't like to just say, oh, you can buy this from me. I'd rather say, uh, and go through this whole process. Okay, so tell me about yourself and what is it you really want in life and then think what I've got that can help them. But that takes me time as well. So I'd just rather just thank them and like... <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, you sound like that kind of person who people just say, "Mo, he's just such a lovely guy. I, I, I want to find out what he does and, uh, and if I can buy from him, buy from him. <laughs> he is in my experience and I think in many other people's always to, to both be doing this podcast and working on design company philosophy and framework and so on as well as Anya implementation of this and, and broader Anya company as well and, and doing that in interdependent way so that we're both independent but we're choosing to work together because we're both constantly uh, feeding off each other's thinking and ideas and contacts and knowledge and capabilities and all this stuff. Literally today, I feel like we've had a whole bunch of breakthroughs. Um, ben, I would really love to just thank you uh, really, really from the bottom of my heart for joining yet again <laughs> for, for this podcast this time. Uh, please, please tell uh, the listeners, you know, where they can find you. We'll, we'll link your, um, uh, TEDx talk on social magnetism, which is absolutely essential uh, for people to view and more of the kind of concrete practicalities around this in, in terms of how to really interact with people. I think more than, more than ever today, we need more ability to connect with people, especially that everyone's two meters away. <laughs> so uh, tell, tell the listeners where they can find more about you and, and you know, what they can buy from you, if anything. <laughs> Sure. So if you want to follow my Instagram, it's Ben Chai Official. Uh, I have somebody who manages that. So if you could contact me on Instagram, it might be like you might get a response from me in two weeks later or something. Um, if you want a more immediate response, connect with me on LinkedIn, which is just LinkedIn and, and find someone 
who looks like the photograph or or if um jason's puts this uh interview uh in his youtube uh, find someone who look has a photograph that looks like me uh, on linkedin use it use ai we'll link you all up uh yeah. to linkedin and instagram and the tedx talk so That's thank you very much ben really appreciate you coming on and stay connected with us you know I, I feel i feel we could talk more you know more practically as well